And welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is NEC Women's Basketball on the Run. It's the most wonderful time of year in college basketball. March is less than one week away, and the road to the 2022 NEC Women's Basketball title is headed towards its final stop. So much to talk about on today's show. We'll go back and relive all the drama of this past weekend, and there was plenty of it. I mean, we're talking Olivia Rodrigo, Sabrina Carpenter-type drama. I mean, it was intense. Uh, we will update the NEC playoff picture. We'll name our three stars of the week, break down all the stats, and look ahead to the penultimate week of action, including our NEC women's basketball TV game coming up on Saturday afternoon in Loretto between the Sacred Heart Pioneers and the St. Francis Red Flash. Now, speaking about that game, we'll also be joined by our special guest this week who will be playing in it, Sacred Heart junior guard Sonia Smith. But first, let's get to the Week 8 NEC women's basketball headlines. So after a 55-49 to win over Merrimack on Thursday, the first place Fairleigh Dickinson Knights took on the Bryant Bulldogs Saturday afternoon at the Stratus Arena on ESPN+. Now going into Saturday, the scenario was quite simple. The Knights could clinch the regular season title and the number one seed for just the second time in program history and for the first time in 29 years with a victory and a St. Francis Brooklyn loss to the St. Francis Red Flash. Bryant handed FDU one of only two NEC losses on their ledger earlier this year, albeit with both teams not at full strength. This time, though, both teams rolled out their full rosters, and early on, it was FDU using their tenacious defense, deflecting balls, forcing turnovers, diving on the floor for loose balls, and battling on the glass, as well as hitting the three ball, going a perfect six for six from behind the arc in the first half to grab a 40-26 to 26 lead at intermission. The 40 points marked FDU's highest scoring first half in conference play all year. But the Bulldogs, they would bark back, trimming the deficit to just six points in the final minute with the basketball. But Lucy Castain missed a three that would have made it a one-score game. Sierra D'Angelo came up with a rebound, and FDU was able to escape with a 59-52 win, reducing their magic number to have the road to the 2022 NEC Women's Basketball title go through the Garden State, reducing that magic number to just one game. Anaya Bell, representing the DMV and the 202, led the team in scoring for the third straight game. She netted 18. The Knights are now 7-0 in conference play on their home court and have won 10 of their last 11 games overall. They have clinched at least a top-two seed in the NEC tournament, but could they wrap up the number one on Saturday? Let's find out by going to Brooklyn Heights, where the Terriers battled the Red Flash on Senior Day a senior day Saturday, and remember, following the FDU win, a Terrier loss would give the Knights the regular season crown. Now, both offenses were struggling to find their rhythm early on. St. Francis, I mean, well, they're both St. Francis, so let's just say you and Brooklyn, just to differentiate. So you was looking to pull off the upset on the road. They were leading 21-16 to 16 at the break, and they stretched that lead to as many as nine points in the third quarter. But Brooklyn got hot late. They shot over 50% in each of the third and fourth quarters. But to counter, you shot over 60% in the fourth quarter. So both teams were hitting their shots. And in the fourth quarter, it was like a blow-for-blow blow heavyweight title fight. After trailing for the majority of the game, the Terriers took the lead on an Allie Lassen three-point play with 3.33 to go. 
Then with you down three in the final seconds, Caitlin Maxwell with the pass to find Jada DePaul at the hoop for the lay-in to get you within one with 16 seconds to spare. After a Kalia Edwards free throw to make the margin two, you had just one last chance. Macklemore trying to be glorious, couldn't hit, but Jada DePaul was there hitting the offensive glass. She couldn't get the first put back, but she does get the second, tying the game up at 46, and we go to overtime. It was the second straight game that weekend that SFU was going into overtime. In the bonus session, Brooklyn led 57-54. U was down. They had the basketball, 13 seconds left. Jada DePaul takes the three. She did everything else in this game except tie the game with this three. The final seconds ticked off the clock, and Brooklyn escaped with a 57-54 win. Allie Lassen, huge in this game for the Terriers. 17 points, five rebounds, a big block. Jada DePaul, she's taking it to another level for the Red Flash, finishing with 23 points, 18 rebounds, and four steals. Her eighth double-double of the season and her fourth in a row, she is averaging nearly 18 points and 17 rebounds over her last four games, and she currently stands top five in the nation in rebounds per game. With the comeback, the Terriers have now won 11 of their last 13 games, and they have clinched a top two seed, which will be their highest seeding in program history. They have never before been above a three seed, which they've done twice, and they stay alive in the race for the number one seed, preventing the Knights from clinching the crown, at least for now. Elsewhere this weekend, Merrimack's 10, Kate Major became the 24th Merrimack Warrior to join the 1,000-point club with a three ball in the third quarters Thursday against FDU. Congratulations to Kate, who currently leads the Warriors in scoring and is top five in the league with 13.2 points per game. She's also currently tops in three-point field goal percentage in the league, making triples at a near 46% clip, which would also be top six in the country. Also, shout out to both LIU and Sacred Heart, who wrapped up perfect 2-0 weekends. The Sharks have won five of their last seven, sweeping both SFU and Mount St. Mary's on their home court, and Sacred Heart ended a seven-game slide by sweeping Wagner and Merrimack. So let's check out the NEC standings and where they stand. The Knights will be a top-two seed in the NEC tournament. They are 5-1 and all-time in home playoff games at the Stratus Arena, and they've won 11 straight home conference games dating back to last year, 12 if you include their forfeit win against Mount St. Mary. So that means, so with all that success, more playoff games will be coming their way. They will have at least a quarterfinal home playoff game. And if they win that, they will have a home semifinal playoff game. As we mentioned earlier, their magic number to clinch the regular season title, the number one seed is just one game, meaning just one FDU win or one St. Francis Brooklyn loss the rest of the way would result in the Knights claiming the top spot for just the second time in program history with the other occasion coming all the way back in 1993. Now, St. Francis, Brooklyn, they are still alive in the race for the number one seed. However, the only scenario left where they would be the number one seed is if they win out their last three games and at the same time, FDU loses out their last three games. St. Francis, Brooklyn is assured at least a top two seed. They will host the playoff game at the Daniel Lynch gym for just the second time in program history. And if they win that, they'll get another one. They'll get a semifinal game as well. Now, 
before everyone gets all up in arms and looks at the standings and says, hey, St. Francis Brooklyn had to forfeit two games back at the beginning of the year, and now they're two games back in the standings. See? See? Well, we don't talk about the forfeits the same way we don't talk about Bruno. But keep in mind, St. Francis Brooklyn's only two losses since the forfeits were both games against FDU. If St. Francis Brooklyn handled their own business and won those games, the standings would be tied and they'd have the head-to-head tiebreaker advantage. So nothing really to complain about here. FDU with the two-game advantage, but it's the two games head-to-head against Brooklyn. That's the difference. Everything's going to play itself out on the court eventually anyway here over the last three games and then, of course, in the NEC tournament. As for everything after that, numbers three through 10 in the standings, we could literally spend the next 20 minutes talking about this, but let's just say with three games to go, all we know for sure is nothing's for sure. For example, look at Sacred Heart. They're currently the number seven seed at six and nine. They just endured a seven-game losing streak before snapping out of it this past weekend. All that considered, they're only two games out of third place with three games to go. If the Pioneers keep winning, they could end up as high as the three or the four seed with a home game in the playoffs. Crazy two weeks ago when the Pioneers were down in the 8-9 game. Now to think on one more good weekend, they could be in line for a three or a four seed. That's how crazy, ridiculously close these standings are. At the moment, our current playoff matchups, if the season ended today, would have top-seeded FDU hosting either Bryant or Central Connecticut, second-seeded St. Francis Brooklyn meeting Sacred Heart, Wagner up to the third seed, they would take on LIU, and Mount St. Mary's is holding on to the four seed against number five St. Francis. Next week, it'll be time to head back into the laboratory and come back out with all the tiebreaker scenarios going into the final game of the regular season to see where all nine of our tournament teams will be headed in the NEC tournament. We will have those tiebreaker scenarios for you right back here next week. Time now to crown our top three stars of the week for NEC week number eight. But before we do, we have to give a big time tip of the cap to Jada DePop for an absolutely monster week. 16 points, 17 rebounds against LIU, and then 23 points, 18 rebounds against St. Francis Brooklyn. Insane stat lines. And as you saw earlier, she did everything she could to help her team win, except hit that last three at the end. However, her team didn't win. The Red Flash went 0-2 this weekend, and wins is one of our top criteria for the top three stars of the week. Being a star and helping your team win. So special shout out to one of our former on-the-run guests here, Jada DePaw. Amazing weekend, incredible individual outing, ridiculous stats, but unfortunately not enough to make it to our top three stars. So let's start with our number three star, and it's Allie Lassen from St. Francis, Brooklyn, who went head-to-head against DePaw on Saturday, but first on Thursday against the Mount, Lassen came up clutch with some big-time plays, a pair of blocks, in the fourth quarter while the Mount was on the comeback trail. And then the Point Pleasant, New Jersey native came up clutch again in the overtime win against St. Francis under four minutes to go. Lassen blocked a shot that kept it a two-point game and then tied things up with the three-point play on the other end. Uh, she eventually completed the three-point play to put the Terriers on top for the first time in a long time and finished that game with a team-high 17 points. She's averaging 13.2 points since the calendar turned to February. Allie Lassen making a bunch of clutch game-winning plays to earn the number three star of the week. Our number two star is Brandy Thomas from the LIU Sharks. 
The Sharks are on their second win streak in conference play this year. They've won five of their last seven overall, and they swept SFU and Mount St. Mary's at home this past weekend, and Brandy Thomas was a big reason why. In the overtime against SFU, she scored the first five points, a three-pointer in transition and free throws from the stripe. She led all scores in that game with 19, and then in her final regular season game at the Steinberg Wellness Center, Thomas made a layup in the third quarter that helped spark the key 12-0 run that the Sharks used to put the game out of reach. Thomas had eight of the 12 points in that run. She finished with 12 points and five rebounds in the game, and she finishes our number two star of the week. Our number one star for week eight is Anaya Bell for Fairleigh Dickinson. In five games in the month of February, Bell is averaging 15.2 points and shooting over 40%, both from the field and from three. We talked about some of the most improved players in the league last week here on the show. Merrimack's Tanisha Brown had the highest year-to-year scoring jump. Well, Bell's situation isn't true year-to-year because she had the opt-out year last year. But if you go back two years to her freshman campaign, she's at a five-point increase in scoring from her previous season and climbing. She poured in 17 against Merrimack, 18 on Saturday against Bryant, was our player of the game on ESPN+. And talking to her afterwards, she talked about her opt-out year last year and how Coach Ange was still coaching her when she was home, telling her to stay in the gym, work on the defense, work on her shot, be more versatile. That work and that coaching definitely paying off this year. Anaya Bell, our number one NEC Star of the Week. Saturday afternoon, 4 p.m. on ESPN3, the Sacred Heart Pioneers will be traveling up to Loretto, Pennsylvania to match up with the St. Francis Red Flash. And joining me this week here on NEC Women's Basketball on the run, one of the players who will be involved in that game, Sacred Heart junior guard Sonia Smith. Sonia, thanks so much for joining us here today. Oh, thanks for having me. Now, now, first question, when, when you're on these long bus rides up to places like, you know, Mount St. Mary's and, and St. Francis, you, how, how do you spend the time on the bus? Do you take naps? Do you watch movies? Do you catch up on schoolwork? How do you pass the time? Literally all of it. Um, from time to time, you know, I'm on my phone, but I try to do my schoolwork because we're on the road, of course. Can't forget about school, but I try to do my schoolwork. But, you know, I got to get my shows in, my movies. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, what have you enjoyed most about your time so far playing uh, with Sacred Heart over the last couple of years? Oh, what I've enjoyed the most, um, I bought my teammates. It's always a good time around them. It's always a good time with them. Like bus rides, it's never a dull moment. Like when I'm talking to a teammate, it's always a laugh. Like definitely my teammates. During during your time with the Pioneers so far, is there one game that maybe you could point back to or stands out that it's like, wow, I, I, I was in the zone that day. I was feeling it that day. Oh, definitely. LIU Brooklyn at LIU Brooklyn my freshman year. We lost when we lost off that buzzer beater to them. Okay, that's right. Definitely that game. Yeah. Now, here in the present day, uh, the, the team was coming off a rough month or so uh, that started the last time you played Mount St. Mary's and SFU, but you finally broke out of it with a couple big wins this past weekend. What were some of the te- things that the team was kind of working their way through, and, and how did you, you push through all of it to get to the, the positive results this past weekend? So a lot of it may seem to be physical, like we have to do this, we have to do that, but I feel like my team, me and my team's like main thing we had to break through was our mental Like we said we wanted to do this. We said we wanted to do that. But to execute it, to really want to do it, um, that was really the change in our, like, in our production. So, like, we finally, like, something just clicked with us. Like, we finally, like, made our minds up to do it. Like, we're tired of 
just saying to do things. So like we took a big step. We took a big big part in doing the scout. Like we we looked at the team's previous games ourselves, like identified a lot of things together as a team. Like it helps a lot when we can scout the team we're about to play, like as a team and we're interacting with each other, talking to each other about, oh, this girl does this, they run this, they do that to get this. And so we just, we lock in way more mentally. And I would assume that would be a, a positive, especially this time of year, only, you know, a week before March or so, the tournament's mm -hmm. right around the corner. So uh, that has to, you know, have things feeling good in the, in the locker room right now with your team. For sure, yeah. And that was another thing we had to get through mentally. Of course, nobody, we lost several games in a row. Nobody's going to like that. So, like, mentally, we have to stay positive. We have to stay optimistic. We have to stay up. So we have to get ourselves out that mental rut, first and foremost. Now, coming up this weekend, you have uh, Mount St. Mary's and then uh, St. Francis is the game that we're going to see on ESPN3 on Saturday. Now, your current assistant coach used to be their head coach, and we're talking about Coach Haig. How, how has he fit in, and how has he helped you uh, individually this year during the time that he's been with Sacred Heart? Coach Haig is great, and he's not just he's not just a great coach. He's a great man, period. Like, we all we have those hard coaches, you know, when there's a moment where you have to yell, you have to be the hard coach. But we always have Coach Haig to fall back on. He's there to, like, talk to us, be reasonable, be the one to, like, comfort us. And so I was like, it'll be okay. He'll make, he'll make a joke here and there. Like, he just makes you feel better about everything. So, like, he's just a really great coach as well. Um, and, of course, he used to coach out at um, – St. Francis PA, so he's a big part of the scout. Like he, he knows a lot that they do. He knows the type of players that they have and recruit. So he's a big key in our success in this game. Now, the last time you played, in fact, the last three times you've played them, it's gone to overtime. What well, what is it about the styles, the way that these two teams match up and play that has the the end result with these games being so tight? I don't know. Well, that's a great question. It's funny because last year I didn't play against them. I was out hurt. So I got to literally sit back and watch, but I don't know, they're great shooters um, and they we're great attackers. So I feel like we match each other and we can shoot, but I feel like we're better in our offense, like attacking, getting the open kickouts or getting our posts open and they get really great shot opportunities. Um, they're good defensive team, uh, translates to offense. So I don't know, we just, it's always, it is always a really close, game with us so it makes it fun for us to watch i don't know how about playing but it makes it fun for us to watch that's for sure and we look forward to seeing it coming up on saturday but before we let you go sonia we have a, a get to know uh we have five quick hitters to throw at you and just give us the first thing that comes to mind okay okay all right what is your favorite show to binge right now right now um uh i would have to say i don't know grownish i guess okay what, what is something that you just can't live without? This is going to sound very cliche, but basketball. <laughs> love it. Love it. What, what is a pregame superstition that you have? Um, superstition. I don't know. Pregame superstition? Definitely. I need a pregame nap. Okay. This, I need a pregame nap. <laughs> If we took a survey of all your teammates, what is uh, the trait or the adjective that, that you think they would use to describe you? Um, that's a great question. There's a lot of things popping up in my head. <laughs> Playful, I guess. I'm never serious with them. <laughs> okay. And finally, what is the, the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten? Could be basketball, could be life. 
what, what is what is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Best advice I received. Um, when someone says you can't do, I feel like a lot of people get discouraged when somebody tells them you can't do this or don't do that. Like even if it's from a coach, uh, a mentor, like don't ever limit yourself, I would say. Like that's just a bad, like somebody else can say something to you, but don't let that affect how you feel about yourself and what you know you can do because you can always push yourself to do what you know you can, so. That's awesome. Awesome lesson. Thank, thank you so much, Sonia, for sharing. And thank you so much for joining us here this week. And we'll see the Pioneers uh, in Loretto taking on St. Francis Saturday. Uh, best of luck to you this weekend and, and best of luck the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. All right. That's Sonia Smith, this week's guest here on NEC Women's Basketball on the run. It's time for Stats Amazing. And today we're talking points. The end of February is Huge teams grinded out in non-conference and regular season basketball for weeks and months on end just to get here to this stage, having your team in sync, rolling on all cylinders and getting ready to go into the conference tournament. So we wanted to know who are the top scores in the league right now, putting up the top performance when it matters most to lead their teams into March. Let's find out here are the top five scores in the NEC just in the month of February, only games in February included. The results may be surprising. Here we go. Our number five score in the month of February is SFU's Jada Depa. We talked about her Monster Week Player of the Week in the league each of the last two weeks, averaging 15 points so far in February. Number four is FDU's Anaya Bell, averaging 15.2 points in five February games for the Knights. Number three on the list, LIU's Brandy Thomas averaging 15.6 points in five February games. And at the top, we have a tie for number one, both Wagner's Amelia Cristagrava and our guest on today's show, Sacred Hearts, Sonia Smith, both leading the league in February, averaging 16 points per game. EKG, she did it in five February games and Smith did it in six. Wagner and Sacred Heart are both in the thick of the fight for seeds three through eight in the NEC standings with three games to go. And EKG and Smith are certainly doing their part to try and help their teams finish as high as possible. Amelia Cristagrava, Sonia Smith, our NEC leading scorers in the month of February. Stats amazing. Time to check what's coming up on tap this weekend. It's the final weekend of February and the final two-game weekend of the conference year. On Thursday night, the race for the regular season title will be in the spotlight as FDU visits Wagner. And at the same time, St. Francis Brooklyn will be hitting the road to visit Bryant. Both games starting at 7 p.m. Now, we talked with Coach Angela Fairley Dickinson about the regular season title this past weekend. And while she admitted it would be a significant milestone and achievement for her team, she was very much in the, I can't think about the future, one game at a time coach mode. Well, now, Coach Ange, it's not the future anymore. The moment is very much here. In essence, Thursday's game is a championship game for Fairleigh Dickinson. Win it at Wagner, and they are the regular season champions. Of course, they could also wrap it up if the Terriers fall at Bryant. Also, in this game, look out for Madison Stanley. We talked how over the last couple of weeks how she's been making a run as a player of the year candidate, perhaps the favorite after three straight player of the week honors midseason. But in her last three games, she's only averaging 5.7 points, 5.3 rebounds, and she's shooting 23%. So 
In my estimation, she probably needs one more big game or one more big moment to really cement that player of the year honor 100% for sure. And there's no better place to do it than in a championship game against the Seahawks. Stanley only scored four points in 15 minutes the last time she played Wagner back in mid-January. Now, at the same time that Stanley's numbers have gone down a little bit, Jada DePaz's numbers have gone up. Monster numbers over the last few weeks, as we've talked about earlier. So perhaps the door is left ajar, maybe, for Jada DePaz to step in and make a late run towards the player of the year honor. And we will see Jada DePaz on Saturday, an always entertaining matchup when the St. Francis Red Flash take on the Sacred Heart Pioneers, 4 p.m., ESPN3, myself and former Sacred Heart Pioneer, Tykira Carter, will be on the call. Now, we'll have a former Pioneer in the booth. We'll have a former Red Flash championship winning head coach on the Pioneers bench, as we talked about with Sonia Smith earlier. Joe Haig returns to the DeGaulle Arena, but this time from the visiting locker room. Haig spent over a decade in Loretto, seven seasons as the head coach, winning the Red Flash's record 12th tournament title back in 2018 before departing midway through the 2019 season. Now, I remember speaking with Coach Haig during our NEC Front Row Live postgame show in 2018 as his team was cutting down the nets. He was with his son. I asked him how special it was to complete the journey with his family and the SFU family, and he definitely got emotional talking about how St. Francis was a special place, and you can see it, you can hear it. It definitely meant a lot. So I'm sure that it will be an emotional journey for Coach Hagen, his big return to Western Pennsylvania coming up on Saturday. But as far as on-the-court stuff goes, three straight times these two teams have met. They've extended the action into overtime. St. Francis just played back-to-back overtime games this past weekend. Can the Red Flash and Pioneers make it four in a row in this series to go into bonus basketball? We will see. Sonia Smith looks to continue her role while the Pioneers will have to contend with the force that is Jada DePaul. You can't really stop her. You can only hope to contain her. It's a big game in the standings. Again, both teams will be positioning. They're still in the running for home playoff games. St. Francis only one game ahead of Sacred Heart at the moment. That win 69-66 in overtime, their previous meeting in Connecticut back on January 23rd, right now looms as the difference. That'll do it for this week. I'm Craig D'Amico, and we will see you right back here, as always, next week for all the tiebreakers you could possibly handle. A preview of the regular season finale. The regular season wraps up on Thursday, March the 3rd, immediately followed by the opening round game of the NEC tournament about 48 hours later on Saturday, March the 5th. We'll see you right back here next week for another brand new edition of NEC Women's Basketball on the Run.